Hello, and welcome to Sobertown Podcast. I'm your host, Viv, and some of you know me as Sober I Thrive. Make sure to visit our website on SobertownPodcast.com. You will find our free Zoom calendars, Todd's modules for your sober toolbox, sober recovery stories, and our link to the Sobertown Facebook group on SobertownPodcast.com. I'll chat with guests and community members about topics related to sobriety and recovery. There are also a couple of sober communities called Boom, Rethink the Drink, and the I Am Sober app, where most of our website contributors met for SoberTownPodcast.com. Today, I'm chatting with Anna Lozano Harmon, the author of A Family's Addiction, A Journey Through a Mother's Heart. Anna knows the obstacles that no mother wishes to go through. She has bravely fought the disease of addiction by uniting her family and breaking cultural barriers that often prevent people from speaking out loud about addiction. Through her book, she gives us an unparalleled insight into addiction from the point of view outside of the addict. Let's hear what she has to say and explore how we can join together to prevent, intervene, and advocate for those with addiction. Hi, Anna. How are you doing today? Hi, Vivian. I'm doing good. Thank you. I'm just so anxious that we get, you know, to do this together today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to cover your book. I'm so happy that we finally got together. I know that this book has been what, you know, on shelf in 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 a way because it got written right before COVID, you had mentioned, right before the beginning of COVID. Is that right? I self-published my book on Amazon, and this was back in May of 2020, and I had high hopes. I had ideas to go out and promote my book myself, but because of the lockdown, it just, you know, took all that whole, all those ideas, and it just kind of let me, you know, just sit here and just kind of wait it out, but time went on and time went on, and I've done a little, you know, promotes here and there, but this is really a great opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So one of the first questions that I wanted to ask is the title of your book. It, why did you choose that title? A Family's Addiction, A Journey Through a Mother's Heart. Yeah, sure. The reason why I titled it A Family's Addiction is because I talk about how alcohol interfered in my first marriage and how my brother's addiction, you know, his his story that he allowed for me to talk about in in my book. And he let me write about, you know, his experience and he gave me, you know, every, every right to open up and talk about his addiction and his struggle. And I also talk about my son's addiction, how it really took my heart to a place that a parent's heart should never have to experience. As I mentioned, I self-published my book back in May of 2020. And since then, I have had some beautiful blessings that I was able to be a guest speaker at some support group meetings and some court-ordered programs for the youth that I was able to speak from a parent's perspective. That's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. One of the other questions I wanted to ask is you shared when I first met you and your son, Anthony. He actually drew the picture for the book that we have here. Yes, yes, he did. He has this natural talent for drawing. And for a while, I was thinking, well, what is the cover of my book going to be? And I really thought about it and I thought about it. And then I remembered, you know what? Why not put a picture of the both of us? And that was the picture that I selected and he drew it. Oh, how, yes. beautiful, how heartwarming that must have been to be able to collaborate with him in that way, right? Yes, yes, another blessing. Also, I wanted to ask, so briefly, you wanted to talk about one of the questions that we had was about your first marriage you mentioned, 
and your brother's addiction. Would you, you know, do you want to elaborate and take us a little bit about into your childhood? Sure. I had a fun and adventurous childhood growing up in a Hispanic home with six siblings. You know, we all had our household chores and my parents were both very hardworking people and they had very strong morals and values. And they always opened up their home, you know, to help others. So it wasn't nothing strange for us to see, you know, my mother and my dad helping out others in the family or other people that they would meet, you know, to come and stay shortly with us. They would stay and they would move on, you know, with their lives. But my parents definitely were all about helping other people. My parents would celebrate the special holidays. They weren't big people to celebrate and what have you, but definitely Christmas. You know, my parents and all of us would gather in the kitchen and make our yearly homemade tamales for Christmas. Um, that was on Christmas Eve. And by the time, you know, family and friends came to eat, my parents kind of like, you know, it would be shifts. Like the first shift would come and eat. And then the second shift of family and friends would come and eat. And so by the time we got to midnight, we all knew that we were all going to go to midnight mass, you know, after that big, you know, nice celebration of having the tamales and family and friends over. And another holiday that they would also um, celebrate is Easter Sunday. And that would be all of us going to early mass on Easter Sunday. And after that, it would be a big caravan of cars, everybody from church and family and friends and what have you, off to a park and have a all day picnic. And that was a lot of fun. Those are beautiful memories. And of course, you know, my parents made sure that we made our first communion and confirmation. They weren't big on celebrating our birthdays. We were too many, but those important things that were important to them, they made sure that, you know, it, it was acknowledged. So it seems like your family, you grew up in a, for us, and I'm, I'm, Mexican heritage as well, first generation, actually. And so I know that those are one of the big staples that we hold in our culture. And so the making the tamales is is part of the, you know, it's part of the fun. It's part of getting together and doing that. So it seems like your childhood was normal. I mean, what normal looks like, you know, to all of us, right? As, uh -huh. as right. Yes. Okay. Yes. So beautiful. I The reason why I wanted to bring ask you that question and bring that up is because it, in your book, you talk a lot about, of, of course, what you went through with your son, but also you talk about how you met your first husband and in that ending in divorce and how that, you know, in our culture as Hispanic Latinos, we don't talk about that so much we keep those things you know very quiet so you bravely wrote this book and although we're not going to give the book away right but expand on that sure divorce in my family of course you know it was not something so easily that our parents would uh accept was young when i met my first husband and a couple of years later by the time i got into high school i got to know him and I don't want to, you know, really get into it because like I like you said, you know, it'll give the book away. But I mean, we were young and he also comes from the same family as my parents. His parents had very strong morals, values, very strong in faith. And so when we married, I was already accustomed to that. I already knew, you know, marriage was something that was taken very serious. And unfortunately, as the years went by and three kids later, alcohol did have a lot to do with our divorce. And I now, what I know today about the disease of alcoholism and addiction, I probably myself could have been a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more understanding about it. But unfortunately, it, it is what it is at that time. We were very young. And there was a lot of things that I didn't know as I was growing older. We just kind of grew our separate ways. And it was very hard because it was letting go of a marriage that you knew it was not acceptable in the family, especially with my parents. 
and it did happen. The both of us took it very, very, very hard. We both did. I know that he did. I know I did. And, you know, I'm just happy that today that as my son's mother and father being, you know, his parents, we can both be in the same room. And I think that is so important for our kids, especially for my son, you know, that he knows the support is there from the both of us. Beautiful. It, that's, you know, I think that is one of the things that is so that, as you said, setting things apart, setting differences apart in order to come together to help our child out, you know, our children out. I think that's a very important point that you put, put and you elaborate in this book also to help other families that are coping and going through this. Yes. Would you, you mentioned that you read about your healing from your divorce. So, and that you now have your current husband, whom you've been married to 35 years. Congratulations. Thank you, Vivian. Yes. Like I said, at the beginning of the divorce, it was very hard. It was something totally new, of course, and very, it was heartbreaking. It was hard, very difficult, but time does heal. And when I finally got myself in a comfortable place where I was a single parent from this and moving forward, that is when I met my, my husband now of 35 years. And it was, it's, I talk about it in my book because it was a very unique way in how we met. <laughs> I won't say how, <laughs> but it's a very unique way. And he stayed by me. When we first met, I, we sat and we talked about our both, you know, we, we were both divorced. And so we both, you know, shared our experiences about, you know, our divorce. And I had to open up and it was very hard for me to open up and talk to him about my divorce. My divorce, I felt, I felt shame. I felt like didn't work hard enough, but yet my cup was definitely overflowing with a lot of hurt because of what I went through. And, and at times I would feel shame because of it, but I had to over, I had to grow out of that. I had to not let that take me down in this. I had to learn and teach myself that, you know, I am strong, that I can get through this. And, you know, when I did meet my husband, it was just so funny because he made me feel comfortable to where I could be myself and talk about, you know, my divorce and talk about happy things. And so um, that's it, it was it was an experience, you know, growing a growing pain at the same time from it. Yeah. New chapter. New yes. way of seeing, right? Right. So also you discuss in your book about your husband and that his, his love and his strength helped you through it as well. Yes, he is a very understanding person, has a big heart, and I leaned on him so much during the difficult time when my son was, he was out in the streets. and. My husband and, of course, my daughters at the same time, they were my support. And But my husband really gave me a lot of support. He and I probably saw different views about handling the situation. And I just think him being a man, he had a different perspective about it. And me, you know, being a, a mother, we have a different perspective on, you know, how we handle our children when they're suffering, when they're in pain. And my husband and I, we would sit and we would talk about our differences, you know, and how we were going to handle the situation. And of course, you know, sometimes it would just change. Things would change. Things would happen. And we would have to sit down and we would have to talk about it. And I just told him, you know, one day I said, I really need to do something. I, I, I can't sit here and I just can't watch this happen. I need to do something. And he gave me his full support, you know, his ideas and how to handle it. He put it aside 
And he let me do what I had to do the way how I felt I needed to do it as a mother. And he was supportive in that. That's a beautiful way of being encouragement and upholding somebody as he did. I mean, your book speaks volumes about that. And I thought that that would speak to a lot of the listeners that are going through something similar and how sometimes we don't know that uh, what addiction looks like. And, and I'm glad that you mentioned it about your son, you know, being on the streets because prior to myself and my alcoholism, you know, we have a skewed view. I had a skewed view about addiction, you know, and we're all coming from different walks of life. And your book speaks so much about this because it there's no cookie cutter way. And your book is so beautiful and enlightening in regards to not being the, the cookie cutter, you know, what, what we think an addict is and what it looks like. And then your, the mother's perspective of what your son looks like. This is your son. Yes. Yes. Vivian. Yes, it when I first started to write my book, the only way I could really tell the truth, the way how you put it, was for me to go to my heart and soul and touch those feelings again. And it wasn't easy because there would be times where I would be writing and writing my thoughts writing exactly how it happened, that by the time I realized it, I would have tears in mm -hmm. my eyes because I knew the only way to really get my message was to really have to let the boundaries down, really go into my heart and in my soul and write exactly how I was feeling at that time and what I was seeing at that time. And by the time I would finish, I would have to just sit back and just say, my gosh, I just went back to that minute and I really felt it all over again. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know what, I know many times in reading your book, I, I could feel it with you. I could feel you, you know, you wrote it so eloquently and so vividly. So, you know, I thank you for that, for shining the light on, on all of this thank as you. a parent as someone that has suffered from alcoholism as myself. So you really hit all facets of this. And, and I think it is very important for books like these to be published to help not only the ones that we love, but to understand addiction within ourselves. So one of the things that you talk about is your brother and how his addiction affected him. Yes, Vivian. My parents, as I mentioned, our parents that were very hardworking, very strong morals, values. They were very strict parents. I'm not going to lie about that. Yes. And at times there was conflict, you know, because of that. We had a good childhood, but at some times, you know, we're not the perfect family. But I could say that as a child, the security at home was always there. And that's all I wanted to give my kids is that same thing, is the security. But being that my parents, the way how they were brought up, whatever happened at home, you know, my parents, if they had any issues, they kept it to themselves very well. However, they, so when we were growing up, if anything did happen, maybe we just didn't even know because my parents were those kind of parents that just kept things to themselves. And my parents went through a horrible tragedy with one of their, with one of their childs, one of their babies. And they kept that to themselves during the time that we were all growing up. And I talk about this incident in my book, how what happened to my parents with the young child, it was never talked about. So when my brother started experiencing with the drugs, that never left the house. It stayed within the house. And I now I can see where it did not help my brother 
because I saw my brother go through lectures and disappointment. And my parents did not know how to reach out and get help for our brother who did suffer from his addiction. That later on, his health was affected by. And when my parents found out the condition of my brother's health, it was very, very hard for them, especially our mother, to accept it. And so that, when that did happen, that my parents discovered that my brother's addiction was so serious that his health was now in jeopardy. It actually brought us as a family even closer. It united us because there was nothing else left to do but to be there for our parents. So when I started experiencing my own experience with my son, I didn't want to hold it in. I didn't want to suppress what was going on at home with my son. I knew that I could not hold this in. I knew I had to be open about it. And it wasn't easy. It's the shame that it brings to the family. It's very hard. But that shame was holding me down. I was in not only in pain, but I was suffering from that shame that my son's addiction was bringing to the family. And I said, no, this is not going to happen to me. I will do whatever I can do to change this. Wow. So your, your trajectory in this book is, it touches on a lot of parts. Your past, your, as you're going, moving through your own life, and as you're seeing what's happened in the past and then coming into your life and into the future. And you also talk about, which I think is very beautiful, that you have, you and your husband have become foster parents briefly. You know, tell us about that as well, because it, it all of this is a roundabout about your book. We want we want people to be interested because you are multifaceted in, in, in every way. And I think this gives an eye view to whoever's listening to this podcast. Pick up your book and know that whatever culture you come from, it could be, you know, whatever, whatever the cult culture could be, that you are multifaceted. We are all multifaceted beings. And when addiction hits our home, it hits it the same. We're no different. We're no different. So I think it's a beautiful endeavor. And you, coming into the aspect that you said about the shock from your family, and then you being you supporting them, and then you getting support from your family, and now you become foster parents to other other children. So can you please elaborate a little bit on, on that for the listener? Yes, I'd love to. Being that I saw my parents helping other people that would come into their lives and how my parents opened up their home, my parents would always say, well, there's always extra food. You know, there's always extra. And it, it may be really to us, there really wasn't because there was so many of us. But my parents, you know, they were very giving. Okay. So I was taking a class at a community college. And in that class, I met someone that was a foster mother. And we got to talking and getting to know each other. And she would share with me her experience about being a foster mother. And what she was sharing with, it was something that it caught my attention. And the way how she spoke about it, and especially she was a foster mother of teenagers and I gave her so much credit because she had a family of her own and her husband, but she opened up her home to teenagers. And one of them specifically stuck with me was that she was a young mother, a teenage mother, and she was helping this young teenager how to raise her baby. And I just thought that was a beautiful thing to do. And so when I started to share the thought with my husband, at first, no, he wasn't, he wasn't liking the idea. 
And somehow, after I kept sharing with him the experiences that I was hearing from this friend that I met, you know, in this class, I finally convinced him to, well, let's just look into it. And so we got involved in it and we, you know, went to the required meetings to become a foster parent so many hours. And so finally we made the decision and we became foster parents. We opened up our home to young children and what I saw and what I learned in these training sessions that they require before you become a foster parent, I could not believe what I was seeing in such young children, the suffering. The, the, the effects of the separation and they're so young and already the history that they have in their life, I couldn't imagine it. I just could not imagine it, that these young, young children already have a past. And of course, it all comes to alcoholism and drugs. So the only thing that I could do is just let this child know that in our home, it was going to be love and security. And it wasn't easy, but eventually, if you just keep on the focus and remember what these children have gone through and the training that you get, it, it, it all comes together. But it just was, it was just so heartbreaking, you know, just these children so young. And of course, like I said, all of it, it all comes back to alcoholism, drugs, trauma, drama, all that. So you were getting a, a, in, in every aspect of your book, it, you're just looking at it from all angles, not only yes. your, your own family. Right. Yes. So true. So I think that's so a, true. very just a very endeavor that you took on on top of everything that you were going through within your own family to open up your doors and to have that, not just that empathy and sympathy, if you want to call it, for what you were going through, but for what others were going through as well. So I think that that part in your book is so amazing. And I'm glad that you shared that. Because it's so important to understand the after effects of um, addiction. Yes, Vivian. I felt like I had to talk about it in my book. Because, of course, like you say, it's the after effect of what happens. So now tell us, Anthony. Now tell us about your son, Anthony. Where is he now? Anthony now is doing so well. And it just, makes me feel so good that I could say this. The journey that I've been through with my son when he was young and how it all started and how I discovered that my son first started drinking and that later on how it escalated to addiction. And I could not believe when I finally, finally found out and how it came to surface that his addiction, how it started, and at the end, it was addiction to meth. I could not believe it, Vivian. It was just so hard for me to really believe that this was happening to my son. And he was in his 20s when all this started. Uh, I thought that things like this were going, if they were going to happen, that it was going to happen 14, 15, 16. But this was something that maybe he hid it from me very well in his late teens, his early 20s. But it came to surface about, you know, in, when he was in his 20s. And that was very heartbreaking for me. Anthony took my heart to a place that I don't ever wish it on any parent. After so many incidents that happened with Anthony, I kept telling myself that, you know, Maybe now he learned his lesson from all of this. And there were just incidents that would start to happen, you know, with my son, with the law, the separation that it brought between him and I and his family, the not, not, not knowing where he was at. And I would just try to sit and figure how can a loving son 
like my son that has a big heart that was always, you know, caring and and overprotective, you know, of his sisters, you know, at home and, and of me too, how it came to this, you know, it's just so you just spin your wheels, just trying to figure out how all this happened. But like I said, he has a heart of gold, but his disease kept taking him from us and his kids. By then, by his, you know, late 20s, he already had his son. And, and uh, every incident that he put himself through was always the impact of him being under the influence of either alcohol or his addiction. During this time, I could see in his eyes sadness and anger during this whole, because of this, you know, like I said, there was some very expensive legal matters that he put himself through. And there was life-threatening as well. And I talk about this in the book. As I was saying, so many incidents, one after another kept happening with Anthony. But really, the only way I could put it to you is let me just read a little bit from my book of how, what it felt like. I am a mother of a child addicted to drugs and alcohol. After I discovered my son's addiction, my life, as I knew it, spiraled out of control right before my eyes. I was powerless to stop it as I tried to hold on to every sense of sanity and reality that I could. I found over time that dealing with a child addicted to drugs and alcohol can be devastating to every member of a family. I supported my son in his school activities, baseball, football. Most people say a mother's love for a child is everlasting. Yet facing addiction can place a heart-wrenching strength on a mother's love, pushing it beyond normal limits. My situation became dire with my son, and each day had me standing closer to the edge, almost beyond reach, and as a mother, I needed significant answers. Maybe you are here in desperate need, filled with despair, and a driving desire to understand what to do. Is this you? Are you a parent nearing the edge of falling? broken, seeking help, and dealing with your child's addiction. This is what I have to say in my book. Beautiful. Thank you for reading that. Thank you for reading that passage in your book so eloquently put, so beautifully, so authentically. Thank you, Vivian. I'd like to ask you another question would be, when would you say that you finally decided what to do, go get help. Where where did you go? There was a day that I just felt, like I mentioned, that I was at the edge. I believe in prayer. I'm a person of faith. But there was something, something else that I knew was out there. But I knew I had to do something aside from my faith and prayer. My family saw me hit my bottom. And I remember one day not hearing from my son. And the few times that I did see him, he looked terrible, recognizable. I saw his life leaving him. He looked sick. And I remember. I just remember that day where I picked up the phone and I called his dad and I spoke to his dad on the phone and I told him very, very, very much what I had to say. And I told him that our son is dying, that we are losing our son and that I'm reaching out to him because our son needs him. And I just thank God that his dad stepped up. And after that conversation, he would call and he would talk to me. And we started talking because we went so many years without talking. It was 
something that our kid, our son, was impacted by that separation of me and his dad, the divorce, his father not being in the picture. I went into my room one day feeling so helpless. And like I said, I'm a person of faith. I'm a person of prayer. But I felt like there was something else. And the first thing I did was I picked up that phone and I talked to his dad. I went in my room and I don't know what it was, but something brought me to my knees to pray. And I was by myself and I prayed like I'd never prayed. And after that, just things started to come to mind. I had to do something. And I reached out to a dear friend of mine that is very much involved in NA and AA. And I remember having the conversation, and I had to open up to him and tell him what was going on. And he was very understanding. And he recommended that I go to AA. And I was so happy that I did. When I first started to go to AA, I just took in the meetings the first couple of times. And I talk about this in my book. And it's funny the way how things happened when I first started to go to these meetings. And after a while, I kept on going because in, in Al-Anon, I started to go to Al-Anon. And when I started to go to Al-Anon, I started to learn so much about the disease. And I started to see where I, what I was doing wrong, wanting to go and rescue my son from his addiction. And I, and I kept thinking, you know, I, 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 there's something that I have to do, and I have to lecture him, and I have to do this, and I have to do that. And between me and his sisters, we would like, okay, call him and tell him he has mail here just to get him here so that we could all talk to him. And the more we did that, the more he would run away from us. So in Al-Anon, I learned to just let go, let go and let God. And my faith that I had grew stronger spiritually and trusting. And when I did that, and I had to give the time to God, it's all God's plan, things started to happen. And I have a testimony, and I write about this in my book. But I strongly, strongly do encourage parents to go to support groups, not, not to let the shame hold you from participating. Go. And it is anonymous. It's all about anonymity. And what other parents were sharing, I have to be honest, what these other parents were sharing in these meetings it made me feel better about my situation, if that makes any sense. But I knew that I wasn't the only parent going through this. And it's just so funny how everything just started happening. And I write about this in my book. Yeah, I saw it in, I read in your book, it said you let go of shame and embarrassment. And that is what holds us, all of us down. Yes. Addict. The, the the family the everyone involved is yes. shame and this shame game loves you know the addiction loves to thrive in it yeah yes definitely definitely and it's just you know it amazes me how his dad I have to say did step up and he did come back into his son's life and we can be together in the same room and give our children the support, you know, as divorced parents. And I have to say, it is the best thing. It is the best thing. And my daughters are amazing. Both my daughters, they stood by me. And when I started writing my book, it was, I held on to the idea for so many years because of an incident that took place at it would blow your mind, the incident, the, the, one of the incidents that took place with my son. But this one particular incident, I mean, it was a scary situation. And I always said, nobody will believe what happened. I would have to write about it to, you know, 
let people know how crazy it got. I always just kept that idea in the back of my mind. But what really happened was I, during my son's time that he was out, I was watching a talk show and Michael Douglas was a, was talking on the talk show and he was talking about his son's addiction. And I thought, oh my goodness, here's a man that is an actor, a very famous person, and he's talking about his son's addiction. So that just gave me more encouragement to keep on going to Al-Anon, to keep on being open that when I would run into people in the market and they knew what was going on with my family, with my son, and they would ask me, how is Anthony doing? I would say, you know, Anthony, he's doing good, but you know what? Keep him in your prayers. Because I wasn't about to get into what was going on because people, they just want to know what's going on. But I would just say it like that. You know what? Can, keep my son in your prayers. And I got this encouragement from Michael Douglas, believe it or not. And later on in my book, I talk about relapse. And how, what a coincidence that during my son's relapse, again, Michael Douglas appears on another talk show. And he starts talking about his son's addiction again. And his son is promoting his book that he wrote and how Michael Douglas is supporting his son. And right then and there, I said, I am going to start writing because this man has inspired me. If he can be a famous person and be on national TV and talk about his experience, I'm just Anna, and I'm just a mom that is at, you know, going through this relapse now. I can be open, and I have nothing holding me back but to talk about it, and now I'm going to write about it. I think this is it, the epitome of, of what our culture deals with is that, yes, secrets hold us down. And, you know, what we talked about that we have that saying in in English, I know it's we don't air our dirty laundry and in Spanish is la ropa sola, you know. <laughs> yes. And it's so true because when my mother found out, when I told her that I was going to write a book, she, that was the first thing she said to me was, why do you want to write about this? Anthony is fine now. Why do you want to talk about it? Just leave it alone. And I said, Mother, I said, I have a testimony. I need to talk about this. Because you know what? In our culture, we don't talk about these things. And I know that there's so many parents out there that are, this, we have come from the same culture, we come from the same tradition, that are living feeling hopeless like how I did. But amazing what happened when I opened up about it. And I don't hold no shame to it. Not anymore. Not like before. I was a prisoner of it. And that's so beautiful how you put that in the, in the book. You do say that it doesn't hold you prisoner anymore. It doesn't hold you prisoner. It doesn't hold, you know, the word relapse doesn't hold anyone prisoner. It, you know, we... It, it it's all I could say is to our listeners from my point of view is I've read the book. It's a beautiful, beautifully written book. And yeah. I wanted to ask you one final question before I, you know, wanted to thank your daughter. I've known her for a lot of years and through me coming out on being recovering out loud is what we call it. She reached out to me and I'm very thankful for her putting us into connection. And I think this is the chain of love that we create that we're able to start taking the stigma out of it through our shares. Right. It is so true. It's through our shares. And I'm so thankful for my daughter, Christina. I cannot tell you how she has been my buddy. And all of this. And when she told me about this opportunity, I couldn't have been more grateful to her and, and to you, you know, to give me the opportunity 
but Christina has been my buddy and she has had her own thoughts, her own feelings about it, but she has been my support. And she knew that I was so embarrassed, so, so full of shame when all this, and she would tell me, so what, mom? So what? Forget about what people say. And I'm saying it nicely. <laughs> I'm saying it nicely. And my younger daughter, oh, she was even worse. You know, <laughs> they were like, right, mom. And we want to know what you're writing. And every week during our lockdown, I would write a chapter and they would come and they would let me read what to them what I was writing. And they're the ones that inspired me, not only Michael Douglas, but he was he played a lot. And I I'm so thankful to him. And if he ever, ever does hear this podcast, I have to say right now, thank you, Michael Douglas. You inspired me by opening up and talking about your son. It gave me inspiration to open up and talk about my son. Back to what I was saying about my daughters and my family, my husband, my son, and my son-in-laws. They would come every Friday and let me read a new chapter to them. And I would ask them, what do you think? And they would say, that says a lot. That is amazing. You, you need to keep going. And my family inspired me so much. That's so beautiful. That That is beautiful. It gives all of us hope that are going through this. And I think I thank you for, for writing this book. One final question that I did want to have for you. I like to end most or all of my podcasts with is what would you say to a mother, a brother, a loved one, a family member that is new to addiction and their family member maybe is in a relapse, maybe is on a day one. What would you say to them? What would be the words of wisdom that you could impart? I words of wisdom and from my own experience would be compassion. To have compassion, it is a disease. There is something behind your child, your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, someone that you love that is suffering from this disease. Try to be compassionate. Don't judge. Be supportive. Hold back on the lectures and just try to learn as much as you can about the disease. And because the more you learn, it helps so much to understand the suffering that they go through. It's not easy for them. It is very hard for them. Each day, they have a journey every day, a challenge every day. And not every day is a good day when they're doing their sobriety at the beginning. That's the hard part. It's when they do decide to reach out and get help. I highly recommend that you also get help so that you learn how to support your loved one and their recovery. Because our own ideas, our own ways, I did, I did that myself. But when I started reaching out for help, it helped me understand what the disease is and they're suffering every day. And when they do decide to recover, to get their life back, it's not easy. It takes a lot of patience and love and support. And don't let them hit bottom because it's only harder for them to come back. There's some word that you told me, and I thought it was so, I used it the other day with someone that's a friend of mine. And and I, I was like, hey, it's easier to stay sober than to get, you know, to get sober. And that's yes, so true. And my son and I still tell this day and my daughters and all of us, we all just, you know, use the sayings that we would hear at his meetings. We would go with him to his meetings. I would go to his meetings so that I could learn more about addiction. And I had people come up to me and 
and tell me to hang in there because they would see me there and they would think that I was going there for me. But I wouldn't, I, it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me that they thought that. But going with our son at the end of the meetings, you know, you would hear slogans and so many slogans in Al-Anon and AA and NA. And one of them that we still say till this day is, when you're leaving and you're walking out the door and you're saying your goodbyes, remember, it's easier to stay clean than to get clean. Those are very words of wisdom. I love it. love it. Thank you so much. And I tell our listeners, let our listeners know, where can they find your book? We're going to put all the links on here for Amazon. But please, is there a link that, that you can impart with us over the airwaves? There's a link on Amazon. Yes. And I also have it on my Facebook that, you know, it's, it's on my Facebook and is, like I mentioned, it's on Amazon. And I do have my book at a bookstore here in Silmar. It's a Tia Chucha's bookstore. I have books there. And I hope that, you know, I can grow and, and have my books displayed and all over, all over, because there's a strong message there in my book for parents. And we'll have your links on, like I said, on SoberTownPodcast.com on the website. So if you would like to purchase Anna's book and want to or have a loved one in addiction or for any anyone, this book is just it, it's full of beautiful messages and messages of hope. And to me, it was the epitome of what everything is in in what we what we say that we have to practice love, non-judgment, release of shame. Yes. And I want to thank you for your time. You're very welcome, Vivian. And I thank you for giving me this opportunity. And I thank my family and I thank Christina, my daughter, for connecting us. And it really means so much to me. It really does. Thank you. Likewise, likewise. Well, thank you for having us display your book on Sobertown. And uh, I look forward to getting this out there as soon as possible. Thank you. Thank you, Vivian. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, tell a friend or someone you know, pass this podcast on. And my information is Viv, founder of SoberIThrive.org. I'm an internationally certified in addiction recovery, other known as a sober coach and a life coach too. My certifications encompass the neuroscience of joyful recovery, roots of addictions, alcohol and its effects, dynamics of professional recovery coaching, motivation to change, right thinking in recovery, family issues in recovery, codependent behaviors in addiction, and ethical and legal issues in professional recovery coaching. Go to my website, soberithrive.com. O-R-G, and book your free, confidential, 30-minute call. We can help create the sober warrior within you.